the, uh, the mantra that exists for this first journey is that um, you're worse off than you think, <laughs> but more love than you'll ever know. It, it, it hits at a, a, a chord, I find, in, in humans. Um, it's an occupational hazard for me to have to engage people at, at uh, pretty serious moments in their life. Some of them are joyful, you know, like weddings and things, but some of them are not so joyful, and it's uh, the passing of loved ones into the next life. Or sometimes um, sitting with people as they're dying and, and having very serious discussions about life, but more about death and, and what's on the other side of that experience. And invariably, in those kind of discussions, um, it's much like um, the discussion of James Ryan at the grave marker of Captain John Miller, wondering... Um, as an epitaph was, was issued into his life, earned this. A lot of men died to save you from this war. And if you've seen the movie, which is very painful to watch, um, you, you see this saga of people dying just to get this one family member. His, his brothers have all died in this war, and they're trying to save this one son to get back to his mother so she will at least have one child left from this world war and the tragedy on that bridge as Miller who led that effort dies and he says to him in his ear earn this earn this and so he spends obviously the rest of his life as he tells us at the grave trying to overcome that have I earned the life that they purchased for me. I find that that to be a common theme in many humans' lives. There's a sense in which we feel like uh, we are earning God's favor. That, that we're going to live a life worthy of his love and ultimately of his acceptance in an afterlife. And so, more than once, I've sat with people who have declared to me that I'm a good person. Not me, but them. I mean, it's obvious they wouldn't say that of me. Um, uh, I mean, if you knew me. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, it's like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a good person. And, and I know that many of us feel that way. I mean, you know, we, we do good things, and, and we draw a line to say, you know, I'm, I'm not a murderer, or I'm not a rapist, or I'm not a child abuser, or I'm not, you know, all these horrible things, and so I must be a good person. And it becomes really important as we begin a spiritual journey to understand where we're starting from, because the fact is, is that if you're trying to get someplace, and you don't know where you are, it's hard to get there. I know that's just like fundamentally obvious, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's so obvious, it's, it, it seems stupid. But the fact is, I, I've had many times my children call me on the phone uh, and, and ask me directions. And invariably, I will ask, well, where are you? You know, they'll say, hey, how do I get to so-and-so? Well, where are you? 
Well, I don't know. Well, I can't tell you how to get there then. It's just not going to work here. You've got to figure, you know, where are you? Stop the car, you know, get someplace, you know, where you're not trying to figure out where you're. Tell me where you are. Then I can give you directions. Or there's this amazing thing called Google and Google Maps. You might try it's on your phone, you know. You might give it a try. Um, sometimes I'm more digital than my children are. The fact is, is that spiritually, we, we, we just got to figure out where, where do we start from. If we don't start from a good point, then there's a good chance we won't get to where we really need to go. That's one of the mantra for this. It, it's just reflecting the biblical truth that you're worse off than you think, but more loved than you'll ever know. You see, uh, the Bible doesn't really hold any punches. Uh, It's one of the reasons I think people avoid getting their fingerprints on the Bible is because the Bible really does speak truth and grace at the same time. That's very difficult for us as humans. I mean, we like to choose sides, you know, blue or red. Can't be pink or purple or whatever that color in the middle is, you know. We we, got to choose sides. And, And yet the Bible does speak this sense of truth Romans 3, Paul is is giving us the truth and starts in in, in a place that's really hard to hear. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks for God. All have turned away. They've all taken, they've all together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Paul's talking those words over you and I. That's, that's harsh. It's hard to hear. But the fact is, is, is in the cosmic reality, if you do posit there is a God, all right? If there's a creator God, if all this didn't happen by accident, it happened by intention, and that, that this design that we have, just it really reeks of a creator, then all of a sudden we begin to look for the truth that connects to the creator. And the Bible gives us that. It gives us that narrative, that story of, of what explains the world we're in right now. What explains the mess that we live in? I'm not talking about your life. I'm just talking about look around us. God didn't intend for this to be this way, but yet very early on in the Bible we see that the, the first humans decide that it's not enough. It's just, just not enough. They, they wanted more. And, and so they, they chose to disobey the creator. They chose to disobey the father who'd called them into family. And to go choose more. And, and it broke the world. And it really does begin to explain why the world we live in right now is so broken. It's really not the way God intended it to be. But, if we ask a fundamental question, what does God want? What does the Creator want? We kind of get a scarlet thread from the book of Genesis in the beginning of the Bible all the way through to the book of Revelation. And the answer to that question is, what does God want is a family. He has been about 
creating family from the moment he entered human history, from the moment even he created humans. God wanted family. In fact, if, you, if you, we thought about this, for instance, if we made God a circle and we tried to decide what's at the center of his circle, what, what, what's, what's the, the thing that radiates through everything about God? Now, oftentimes, people would say, oh, it's love. It's love. But I would say you're wrong. It's not love. What sits at the center of the circle of defining the attributes of God or who he is, what holds everything together is the concept of generosity. The Bible describes a God who wants to give away the life that he has. He, he, he wants a family to experience the beauty of what it's like to exist as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, this triunity, this, this perfect community. He wants to give that away. He wants to draw people into that experience. And so all of human history can be explained by that from, generation all the, uh, from Genesis all the way through Revelation. He's been about family. The problem is, is that the first humans broke that family. It broke it in two. And there's forever been a need for redemption. And we're coming into a season of the year when family becomes really important to people for one of two reasons. One, we love gathering with our family, the warmth of the holidays and all that kind of stuff. Or two, we hate gathering with our family. And we have to endure the pain of, of putting up with the imbeciles that God has got us genetically related to. You know, I mean, let's, let's be honest here. It's not always the fun time of year. But it is a lot of energy involved in it. Families are broken. And when there's, when there's brokenness, there, there needs to be redemption. There needs to be an opportunity to to solve the problem of broken relationships. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus left heaven and came to earth, is to pursue us, to give us the opportunity to being back a part of his family. There's a beautiful verse in, in, first, in the book of John, um, one of the stories about Jesus' life. And John is, is writing about this light who came into the world. And, and in verse 12, he says, uh, Yet to all who receive him, to them he gave the right to become his children. Now, th that word receive is, is fascinating because uh, it, it, it's a word that refers to or can be used for hospitality. You think about this, um, tonight, some of you are going to be watching a football game, and you're going to host a party, and, you know, you're going to have the perfunctory guacamole and, you know, other things that you're supposed to have, you know, when you're watching the Chiefs compete, uh, and, and you're going to bring people into your home. You're going to receive them. You're going to show them hospitality. Uh, you're going to make it nice and comfortable and that kind of stuff, and, and, and I mean... You, you might even have someone come 
who's a Tom Brady fan. You know, they may come wearing a, you know, a, a New England Patriots jersey because they can't forget where he used to be. Or they come wearing a Tampa Bay jersey. And you're going to be hospitable to them. You're going to receive them. You're going to let them eat the same food and watch the same TV. You're going you're to receive them into your home. That, that's the word here, this idea. And, and so what John is saying is, is that you know, to those who made it hospitable for Jesus to live in their world, to bring his kingdom to our kingdom, and to put our kingdom down and lift his kingdom up. That's why a passage that is um, sort of the cornerstone of what we're talking about here in this first journey of moving from earner to heir is found in the book of Titus. Uh, Paul, who wrote half of the second half of the Bible, is writing a letter to a young guy who's involved in, in helping people gain access to Jesus around the Mediterranean area. And I, I don't want to read it. I want to read it in two different versions of the Bible because there are some things that come out in, in each of them. So if we're looking at uh, just a, a standard translation, uh, the New International, um, Paul says this. Oh, let's get to Titus. Sorry about that. At one time, we were fools, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and desires. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Now, let me just stop there for a moment. What, what did he save us from? I think I heard someone say ourselves. He, he, he did. He, he saved us from ourselves. I always see this word saved. And, and I've even had people, you know, I get on airplanes and have to sit really close to people. You know, pray they don't have COVID or some other infectious disease, you know. And, and, um, and invariably we get to talking and invariably that, that question is asked, what do you do? And... Um, and I have a hard time answering that. I, I've got all kinds of smart aleck answers to it. Uh, you know, if you get an email from me, you'll see it says I'm a spiritual literacy catalyst. And sometimes I'll use that. I'll say, I'm a spiritual literacy catalyst. What is that? And usually it's like, what the hell is that? You know what I mean? It's like they're just you know, stunned by that, that, that phrase or term. And I say, well, I, I, I kind of help people learn to read the Bible for themselves and, and discover what God has to say about life. And... And then invariably it's like, <laughs> you're a pastor, aren't you? And uh, if you've been around here very long, you know, I, I, I really don't like being called by a gift. Um, pastoring is a gift, it's shepherding. It, it, it's something you, that, that many people have, uh, not just one person. And so I, I don't like that. But, but they put a label on me, and then I often hear after that, Oh, I'm saved. Now, my response to that is, what the hell does that mean? You know, I mean, it's like, what, what does that mean? Paul here in this passage is saying that what, 
Where do we save from? We were in a kingdom to ourselves. We were our first reference. My feelings, my thoughts, my view of life was most important. And Paul says we've been saved from that so that Jesus' thoughts, his understanding about life are first and most important in our life. He's our first reference about life. That's what we're saved from. Instead of it meaning something about an afterlife, it's clear in this passage that Paul is talking about we're exchanging one kingdom for the other. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. How did he do it? He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out into us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we have become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. See, the beauty uh, of what God has done for us that we could not do for ourselves is that he created a pathway back into family by allowing Jesus to die in our place and to build a bridge back to the life that he intended for us to live. But the problem is, is we have to receive that. We, we, we have to acknowledge that. We have to realize that that's our starting point in life. I don't deserve this. I can't earn it. There is not enough things I could do to earn God's favor. We're really worse off than we think. But we're more loved than we'll ever know because what we could not do for ourselves, Jesus did for us. He died in our place. He became what we could not become. The redemption, the fixing of family and making it possible to regain an eternal family. As I exchange one realm of meaning and purpose, me, for another realm of meaning and purpose, Jesus. And he becomes first reference in life simply because he's the creator, the designer, the inventor, the originator of what we have in life. And so this first journey is, is moving from that moment at the the graveyard in Normandy where Ryan is looking and, and his life has been ravaged like a silent cancer in his life. He said, every morning I get up and I ask myself, have I earned this? Not feeling the freedom of being loved in spite of who he is. The, the beauty of what God has done for us is that when we get up in the morning, we don't have to earn his favor. We have a chance to live in his favor because he's moved us from earner to heir when we create hospitality for Jesus in our life. As we come to the end of this service today, we're going to partake of 
what is commonly referred to as communion or the Lord's table. And there are a number of different uh, stations around the room and in the balcony that you can move to um, in a few minutes after I pray, the band is going to play some music. But, but on this table represents two elements that kind of help us understand that point of where we start from. Jesus, the night that he was betrayed, before, the night before he was crucified, he inaugurated this, this ceremony with his disciples, the men and women who were following him. And he, and he picked up the, the, the common table bread, and, and he broke it, and he just breaks it in two. And he says to them, this is my body, which was broken for you. He went to the cross to put upon himself all the, the things needed for you and I to get back into the family. Think about that for a moment. If you've ever seen the, the passion, the, the movie, there's that moment where there's a tear that comes out of heaven and falls to the ground. It's that moment for me that's poignant and understanding that, that there was a moment in history when, when Jesus took upon himself all, all of the evil in the world, past, present, and future, Everything that you and I have ever said, done, should have done, all that kind of, Jesus took it upon himself and literally by the death of his physical body erased the sin, the, the mark, the, the conflict, however you would you would phrase it in, in terms of, of what happens when family breaks. He, he erased all of that and made it possible for us to receive that gift and to walk in the favor of a father who loves us like we have never, ever experienced in human love. He took the cup and he says, this cup represents my blood. And, and, and the blood was, was inaugurating what Jesus says is a new covenant. A, a new covenant. Now, if you've ever been involved in any kind of covenant in this life, you know that sometimes they can be irritating. Like your, uh, your homeowners association sometimes has covenants. And, and maybe there are things that you like, like they won't let you rent out a space in your house. They won't let you have an Airbnb or they won't let you, you know, park a car on a street or they want your garbage cans off the street, you know, within 24 hours. All kinds of things that, that these homeowner associations, you know, try to keep. And, and those covenants, it's impossible to break. It just won't happen. But Jesus comes along and says, let me, let me wipe off all the covenants that humans have been trying to make with me I mean, if you're a normal human being, there's probably been a moment in your life when you've attempted to make a deal with God. God, if you'll just do this for me, I will never, ever blank. And there's a sense in which we make a deal with God. And we, we, we want to 
sort of hold him to his deal if we hold to our part of the deal. And Jesus says, look, this cup represents a new covenant. It wipes away all the deals that we have ever tried to make with God. And it represents a new way of relating to God. It's as if the blood becomes a cleansing agent for our lives. That's, that's hard to understand because we don't think of blood that way. But Jesus is helping us understand that his blood is the redemptive washing power of all evil in the world. It washes all of that away and gives us the opportunity to relate to God, not as an earner, but now as an heir. So as we come to the, be the, end, uh, uh, the beginning of this service, I, I just want to challenge you. You know, oftentimes uh, we, we see this as I'm coming to this table to take something away. There is no grace to be, there's nothing to be taken away from this table. There's only something to be brought to it. As you come to it, you come demonstrating the fact that, that you understand where you're starting. I'm starting not as a good person. I'm just who I am, and I'm kind of broken and messed up and, and twisted. I got some stuff a lot of people don't know about. And uh, I, I don't want them to know about, you know, all, all that kind of stuff's going on. You got, you, you got to be honest with God. Because if the Bible is true, if the Bible's true and God is all-knowing, he knows you at your worst. He knows the depths of the stuff that you're trying to hide. He gets that, and that's what he died for. That's why he gives us the freedom to be authentic about who we are. And so we come to this table acknowledging all of that. And we come acknowledging that we are participating in a new covenant with our Father in heaven. That I'm no longer an earner. I'm now an heir. I, I have a gift, a favor that God has given me. I am worse off than I would ever know, but I'm more loved than I could ever imagine. Simply because Jesus died so that I could have life. Not just in the world to come, but I could have life now. A kind of life that would represent the same core generosity that my Father in heaven represents. You see, Jesus invites us into the family, and he invites us into the family business. And that is finding our not yet brothers and sisters who need to hear this same message, who, who need to experience this same kind of love that I'm experiencing. That generosity, if it stops with us, it doesn't represent the true generosity of the Father who's called us into his family. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And the band will be out here. And, and they're going to they're gonna sing one song. It's a long song. <laughs> so uh, you have plenty of time. But you've got six stations around the room here on the, on the bottom floor and one in the balcony. And I would invite you, if that's your heart, if, if you want to declare to God, I do understand that I'm worse off than I really know, but, but I'm more loved than I could ever imagine. If you want to declare that to God, then I feel free to participate in, in taking the bread and, and in taking the the juice.
and, and represent the favor that you're feeling from God. But if, if, if that's still a question for you, if that's still a, a struggle for you, if you're still trying to put those pieces together, feel free just to sit and enjoy the music. Sing along with the band. It, it's not mandatory that you, you come and, and be a part of this. Don't feel any religious compulsion to, to be a part of, of something that, that you don't yet really embrace. And in fact, if, if, if that's you, next week we start something, um, uh, 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 just a three-week experience about hope explored. What would it be, look like to explore these kinds of things that we're talking about in a smaller group to be able to ask questions and, and, and gain an understanding and maybe get your fingerprints a little bit on the Bible to see what God is saying. And it may be that, that today you just sit and you just enjoy the, the beauty of, of the song that, that we're about to, to listen to. But as they sing, feel free to move about the room to the closest station that, that, that there is and, uh, and participate you know, in this beautiful ceremony that Jesus gave us when he said, this is my body, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, the privilege of calling you Father, oftentimes I take that so lightly. I just say it as out of rote memory, but yet you have loved me in ways that I never thought I could be loved. You have forgiven me for things that I thought I could never, ever be forgiven for. And so this morning, as we come to this table, I, I pray that we might experience that from you, your favor. Your favor of moving us from, from that, that awful soul angst of, of, of trying to, to put down this idea of, of earning and, and knowing that it's never enough and knowing that I can't ever get there and, and wanting to hide that and ignore that and, and distract myself from that. Father, transport us to the, to the, the side of, of understanding what it's like to be an heir, what it's like to inherit something that we, we didn't earn, but it just comes to us out of an irrational kind of love. May these elements represent for us your favor that we have the privilege of living in. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name.